A musician and his groupies go back to his childhood home to film a music video, only to find a pack of badly done hand puppet dogs are hunting them. We watched the 1984 horror movie Monster Dog on this week's episode of Bottom of the Barrel. Hello everyone and welcome to Bottom of the Barrel. I am your host Jeff Bell and today's movie is week two of our month-long hollow stream celebration where we find bad horror movies from the 70s and the 80s and we review them for your enjoyment. This week's movie was a little piece of special history. Um, I have never actually heard of this movie before I found it randomly on Netflix. Uh, basically, Netflix just knows what I'm looking for at this point, and it gives me terrible, terrible movies, and actually I have too much and I don't know what to do it. This movie, I, I, I'm not sure anyone really knows of this movie unless you are a fan of Alice Cooper. Now, for those of you who don't know who Alice Cooper is, uh, for whatever reason, he was a, or he technically is still, I guess, a musician uh, from, I don't know what, the 70s through 80s, 90s, very popular, popular at this point in his career, kind of a glam rocker, he was, he was the old-fashioned version of, I guess, what Marilyn Manson would have been in the 90s and the early 2000s. So obviously, because he's such a, he was such a big musician at the time, the next obvious step would be for him to do a movie, I guess. I mean, now, those of you who might know him from playing himself in Wayne's World, perhaps? That little movie? Um, which is fine as a small little part. When it comes to an entire film, he's got some issues. Uh, especially this movie. This movie is just weird, and I... Well, let's just... I'll just get in with the, the overview of the film. The movie opens... Over a black screen, there's sound, but there's no video. And that goes on for far too long before finally it fades into a blood-red title sequence. Yeah, the movie's screwing with your eyes right off the bat, everyone. After the credits were thrown immediately into a music video, if you can call it that, of our main character, portrayed by the 70s, 80s goth rocker Alice Cooper. It can't end fast enough, but when it does... It doesn't really get any better. We get into the traveling band of Cooper's character, Vincent. And what I'm assuming is his roadies or crew, giving the film's unnecessary exposition and backstory as they drive to their next video set. We cut to the film set, which is an old house complete with badly drawn welcome banner hanging above the front door. Inside, we find the cliche old caretaker, wandering around the house after hearing a door banging. Going to investigate, he finds a room in the house where a half a dozen non-threatening looking dogs have been badly dubbed over with fierce growling and barking. They attack the caretaker, I guess, since it happens off screen. Cut back to Vincent and his van, complaining that they have to stop at yet another roadblock, because apparently the police are concerned with all the mad dogs around. Yeah, stupid police, caring about people. It turns out that one of the cops is an old family friend of Vincent's, as they are heading back to his childhood town. He warns Vincent and the others to stay inside and barricade themselves as the dogs are attacking people again. Alright, more movie exposition! Just after the van leaves, with badly dubbed lines from the crew inside it, the bushes besides the cops starts moving, and, of course, the giant fat one goes to take a look, with the other ones slowly coming up behind. Do I even need to tell you what happens next? Because I'm pretty sure you can guess. 
Oh, that's right. The fat cop gets brutally maimed and killed without making a single sound. Oh, and so does the other cop. Back to the van, Vincent accidentally hits a dog that runs straight towards the vehicle. And just after hearing about the pack of crazy murdering dogs on the loose in the area, they decide to do the smart thing and get out to investigate the dog's body. Moving the wounded animal to the side of the road, Vincent bashes it over the head to put it out of its misery, when suddenly a crazy old man slash zombie slash bad mauling makeup guy shows up to give the cliche warning that they are doomed. Doomed! And that on the next moonrise, they will all die. He wanders back into the brushes and vanishes in a jump cut that then... apparently causes the dogs to attack him. Vincent and his girl... Of course, go looking for the crazy old man and see the scary monster dog puppet that's been killing everyone. Ooh, scary Jim Henson puppetry. Ah! They flee and arrive at Vincent's childhood home from earlier where they find it to be empty. Sandra, one of the roadies slash crew, spots the painting above the fireplace of what must be Vincent's family. And, of course, his father looks identical to what he does now. Sometimes I wonder if these movies honestly even try. Vincent goes to investigate why the caretaker is missing. Seriously, this guy is more of an investigator than a musician, and heads upstairs with a shotgun. I don't really know where he got the shotgun. As a quick side note, the rooms and hallways in this house are abnormally large, to the point that a house itself would have to be three times the size of what's shown on the outside. So it's kind of like the inside of the Haunted Mansion in Disney. Just to paint the picture. So as he wanders upstairs to only then appear to be going downstairs to then be back upstairs. Huh. The rest of the crew find a tray of sandwiches in the fridge and start snacking on them. While doing so, the one in white mentions that being here just doesn't feel right and that they should have listened to the crazy old man. Which honestly is sound advice. How many movies like this have that crazy old man telling kids not to go any further and they do and they all die, am I right? Tip of the day, always listen to the crazies. They are looking out for you. So Vincent continues to look around the house when he comes to a room with a picture on the wall of a screaming guy that looks like the blind man from Frankenstein leaning over the topless body of a woman. Keep in mind, I said picture, not painting. The camera zooms in on his face, and then we apparently cut to some time later, where the movie then jump cuts about ten times to later on that evening, why we just didn't jump there in the first place, where the woman in white is having a nightmare about the crazy old man telling her that they will all die, her friends are dead beside her, and then chasing her constantly, attempting to rip apart her shirt, but failing horribly. He warns her that all of them will die except for Vincent because he's the killer. She opens the door, finds no one around, walks to the first floor constantly talking out loud and badly dubbed. She finds Vincent rocking in a chair and approaches him from the back towards an obvious jump scare. She touches his shoulder and he jumps up revealing he's changed into a werewolf only to make the woman in white out of her nightmare. Everyone rushes in and has a laugh at her dream, except for Vincent, who seems concerned about her dreaming that he was a wolf. Hmm. Foreshadowing? A short time later, the woman with the red hair, pretty sure they never actually say their names in this film, wearing only a long pink shirt that barely covers her, wanders downstairs to find Vincent rocking in the chair reading a book on werewolves, which they just so happen to have in his family's library, and has a picture of Lon Chaney as the werewolf from the 1930s as his representation of what a werewolf looks like. I'm sure they got permission to use that photo. Vincent rambles off a forced logical reasoning behind how a werewolf is real, when Redhead Girl complains while being terribly dubbed that because we're in an age of modern technology, someone can't be afraid of werewolves. 
Turns out that 20 years earlier, Vincent's dad was attacked by one of the hand puppet dogs and himself turned into a werewolf and proceeded to kill a handful of people and livestock in the town. Which, I just realized we never seen the town. And the townsfolk captured and killed him. After all that happy talk, the redhead goes back to bed, but stops and checks out the painting above the fireplace where Vincent's dad now has red glowing eyes, and the face of the puppet dog has now somehow shown up inside the bush of the painting. Cut to a music montage of the crew, filming random parts of the house, and putting makeup on, all to the tune of The Raven by the Alan Parsons Project. Yeah, that's an odd choice in music. But never mind that montage, let's cut to the filming of another music video where Vincent is slowly taking on the appearance of Alice Cooper himself. Huh. When the nightmare woman in white, who's still wearing all white, makes her appearance in the video only to be attacked by the falling dead body of the caretaker. She is seriously not having a good day here. Everyone rushes off to see what's going on, leaving her alone with the body, only to see the crazy old man from the beginning walking towards her again. Oh, don't worry, guys. I'm sure she's not traumatized or anything. Just go ahead and leave her alone with a dead body. Then, we cut to outside, where apparently it's daytime now, and we see the woman in white walking blankly away from the house, wearing a completely different wedding dress. The crew realize they left her alone, very quick these people are, and Vincent grabs a shotgun to go looking for the wandering woman in white. I'm starting to like her nickname now. Then, suddenly a handful of rednecks show up in the movie and say that they plan on killing Vincent. The rednecks arrive at the house to pretend to be family friends and just want to talk to Vincent, even though they're standing with shotguns and ammo and each look like cliche mass murderers. And, of course, the crew let them into the house, only to be ambushed and beaten up by them. However, after the beating, everyone sits around and talks nicely about how the rednecks plan on shooting Vincent in the heart, and that the lead redneck was the one who killed Vincent's father. Even though Vincent earlier said it was a group of people who killed him. Awesome continuity. Vincent finds the wandering woman in white and takes her back to the house, ignoring her comment on having a vision. As they pound on the door trying to get in, the redneck leader prepares to shoot Vincent, and his goon open the door only to shoot the woman in the stomach. In what's obviously not a special effect sticking out of her dress. Which, by the way, he is a terrible, terrible shot. Ah, uh, last I knew, stomach, not the heart. So they proceed to chase Vincent to the roof of the house, where somehow he manages to elude them after making a doll walk into a doorway on its own. Really confusing. But then our hero confronts one of the rednecks and shoots him point blank in the chest with a shotgun. Wow. Downstairs, the other redneck threatens to kill one of the guys in the crew, but they retaliate and stop him, only to open the front door and be attacked by the pack of killer dogs, which are apparently now outside the house. The redneck attempts to fight off the dog with a lit candle, only to somehow accidentally break it over his own back and start himself on fire. <laughs> I, I, I'm still laughing about that. The wolves stop their attack on the crewmen, having never gone after the woman, when the front door bursts open and we're retreated to a heavily blurred and cloudy shots of the werewolf dog puppet, who pulls one of the crewmen outside of the house. Cut to the two escaping women who find themselves in the upstairs bathroom fighting off the dogs when suddenly they stop and Vincent arrives. Now, the only three left of the crew, the non-redhead lady starts freaking out, saying Vincent is the werewolf and he's to blame to everyone's death, but of course, the girlfriend redhead lady doesn't believe her and they go to bed. Not sure exactly how they calmed the non-redhead down, because she seemed pretty upset about everything. The redhead wakes up and goes downstairs to find Vincent standing amongst the dogs, amazed that they've all calmed down, and is in no way being controlled by him since he is in obviously not a werewolf. 
Waking up the non-redhead, the three head to the redneck's car only to find the keys are missing. Um, duh. So Vincent and the redhead go back upstairs to the bodies of the rednecks, who are no longer covered in blood or are in the places that Vincent originally shot them at, leaving the non-redhead alone locked in the car. They get the keys after shooting the surviving redneck, apparently he didn't die earlier, and head back to the vehicle where they take off, never showing the girl in the back seat. Seriously, movie, we all kind of know where this is going. No need to try to build up suspense. As they drive a ways down the road, the non-redhead's body suddenly slumps forward onto the front seat, having been mauled by the real werewolf, who apparently kept quiet for the last few minutes until the most opportune time to appear. As it bites Vincent in the neck, he tells the redhead to jump out of the car and then proceeds to crash it off camera. She slowly makes her way back to the wreckage of the vehicle, which is rocking on its own for some reason, only to find Vincent and the wolf gone. So she, of course, wanders off alone to be confronted by the crazy old man from the beginning who's alive or not alive or or was the werewolf. I, I'm not sure at all. He says that Vincent's now the new leader of the wolves, and then suddenly falls back to the ground, where apparently he vanishes. The redhead finds Vincent on the ground, and he begs her to shoot him before he changes, but she doesn't, and we watch as he transforms from badly done makeup appliances to several different rubber puppets to Halloween masks before becoming the bad dog puppet from the beginning momentarily, and then back to the wolf mask. The redhead does shoot him, mumbles something to herself, and then starts laughing. She gets up and walks away from the scene and, of course, throws the gun away as she approaches the camera and we cut to a weird montage of the opening song intercut with clips from the film. And that's the end. Okay. So this movie was just weird. Very, very funny. Uh, mostly because the film, again, as usual, a lot of these movies that we watch are are foreign-made films that are shot to look like they were made in America. This movie's supposed to take place in California. They have California license plates on the vehicles, but was entirely shot in Spain. So all the actors were uh, dubbed over, including Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper, actually, you only hear his real voice in the two songs in the music in the whole movie and it's the opening one and i guess also that would be the ending one and then the one they shoot in the house that's the only time you actually hear his real voice because he wrote and performed those songs but the rest of the movie was entirely dubbed over for the the american release in an accent so that way you could uh, you know i guess we could understand him better even though uh, as always i don't think it made the movie harder to understand <laughs> so Alice Cooper actually did not do his own dubbing. It was some other actor altogether that dubbed his voice for the entire film. And there's points where it's done well, but there's also a lot of points where this is done terribly and it's so just so noticeable. But either way, the movie was still enjoyable just based upon the terrible special effects shots. It's very confusing. There's a lot of jumping around from scene to scene. If the if the overview sounded like I was skipping around again, I was just saying what was happening in the movie. That's exactly what happened. It's kind of hard to tell sometimes. It it, it it was supposed to be, I feel, a original, or like not maybe original, maybe a modern day take on the werewolf story. And, you know, this is the new one. It was, but while still like referencing the old stories and like the old universal ones, but it kind of just was weird. I mean, there's, it was kind of like, 
they didn't put enough effort i feel into the movie to make it like a good werewolf film so but it, it was still enjoyable to watch it's still very funny and alice cooper's acting is just amazing it's especially the transformation scene it's so over the top he you know the rest of the kids in the movie you know the rest of his groupies all look to be maybe in their mid to late 20s and alice cooper in this video this movie just looks like he's in his like early 50s already he's just he does not but try trying to be a late 20s person he just looks so much older than the rest of them and it's very funny because it's it's very out of place now there is no nudity in this movie except for that one picture that i mentioned which is just a picture uh however there is some violence in the film there is there is a bunch of blood uh most of the violence does not occur well there is some stuff that happens but the main stuff happens when uh vincent is fighting off the rednecks up in the roof uh, later on in the movie because when he actually does kill the rednecks it is quite graphic he he does shoot a guy point blank in the chest he shoots a guy point blank in the head with a shotgun and somehow like saws off the upper half of the head <laughs> not sure how a gun does that but it's 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 very over the top but at the same time it is graphic still so um it's Definitely not a movie for children, so don't watch it with kids. But it is a good, uh, just funny, badly done, like, Halloween horror movie. And I do highly recommend watching it. It is on Netflix right now, so go find it. Uh, not that hard to find. Monster Dog, you'll you'll get it. Great drawing of the for the cover of what the dog, I think, was supposed to look like. And, yeah, <laughs> and then they made the puppet. So, but I do recommend watching it. And for that, that is all for this week's episode of Bottom of the Barrel. Join us again next week where we'll have yet another exciting entry into Hollow Stream Month on Bottom of the Barrel, all leading up to a special bonus episode on Halloween. So keep listening, thank you, tell your friends, and we'll see you next time on Bottom of the Barrel. There's no monsters that do moi. It's not even Dracula. Dracula's blah. If you want to go cliche, moi? Is it a kissing monster? I don't know. For more information about this and other programming, visit our official website at www.ghostat.net. I like the ending.